want to say thank you so much for joining the, the show. It's really an honor and privilege for me to be talking to you and listening to your story. Uh, Jeff, as you know, the goal of the show is to really demystify entrepreneurship and maybe give a guide to those who are aspiring to be entrepreneurs, what others before them have done. And you're a great example of that. So I thought maybe you could just share a little bit about what Jeff does today and how you got here. Okay, I'll try to be brief because our time's limited, but the, um, um, today I'm mostly involved with um, helping companies of all sizes, whether they're startups, whether they're entrepreneurial driven, um, divisions of large companies achieve their business and financial objectives. That's what I'm really focused on. You know, whether they're looking for investors or a strategic partner for research or product development, or a marketing partner, a branding partner, a sales partner. That's my primary activity. And we're doing most of that, utilizing the impacts of a short video interview, 10 to 12 minutes, coupled with our own proprietary distribution at our websites. Um, and you know, people that have registered at the websites, plus people that have opted into our email list. And then on top of that, we use um, AI, artificial intelligence uh, tool to, to target additional people that could be interested based on the company's uh, industry or sector, specifics of its business, geographical locations, and the specific business or financial objectives. So that's what I'm, what I'm doing today. But how I got there was a really rocky road, so to speak, and not the ice cream. So um, when I... Um, I grew up in a, a family retail business and many decades ago um, in 1979, um, some guys came to me that were taking an equipment leasing company public on NASDAQ and they needed a CEO. My background was accounting. And so at 29 years old, I was the CEO of a NASDAQ company. Um, at the time, I really didn't know what I didn't know, Ferris, but um, looking back on it, I was like totally clueless, but I liked the deal side and I got involved with the investment banker who did that public offering and placed in the 1980s, to a large extent, a lot of public offerings uh, all over the country that were underwritten stock offerings. That sort of led into the private placement world where I did a lot of private placements in the 80s and 90s. In the 90s, we started a company um, that became the world's largest sponsor of financial community and investor events. Um, and to give you an idea, we sold it in 2008, but 2007, we did 230 uh, roadshow luncheons big conferences in Las Vegas, Atlantic City, um, Miami. Um, I had done stuff in Singapore and Hong Kong, um, all on the event side. So I had done that. I was still doing private placements. And I met a woman in New York who was from Beijing. She was active to get back to China because she was the sole child and her parents were getting older. She had come to New York to, um, go to law school and I, she really couldn't afford it. She was working at Citibank, working on uh, uh, workouts on um, third world government debt. 
So sort of on a fluke, we opened an office in Beijing, which we had up until the financial crisis in 08, 2008, again, to enable Chinese companies um, to end their relationships with uh, foreign companies, non-Chinese companies or financings. So we got a bunch of them public, um, some in the United States, some on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So the financial crisis came, we closed uh, that operation because it was really no point. Um, the one thing about entrepreneurship, I think, is sort of an ongoing need, Ferris, to reinvent yourself. You know, especially now as we come out of COVID, the world is changing. You know, what was will not be. Who knows what the post-COVID world's going to be? But if we had to reinvent ourselves over the past decades or pre-COVID over the last few years, everything's on the table today as far as trying to determine what's viable, what'll work, what'll not work. You know, so I wasn't, when the financial crisis came in 08, I wasn't doing anything. And a friend of mine who was a retired US government lawyer for the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency said, hey, you live in Colorado. I live in Colorado. We're gonna have this new industry legalized cannabis. Why don't we check it out? So for lack of anything else, I got involved in the cannabis industry early on and ended up with two retail stores in Colorado and a grow facility which then led to getting involved in three Canadian startups that all got licensed in Canada and public in Canada, which then led me to being involved in two Israeli companies, one on the plant genetics side and one on um, um, doing preclinical work. Um, they did preclinical on multiple myeloma on trials with rodents with using THC, the psychoactive part of the cannabis plant, uh, they ran out of money and then got involved in a lot of other stuff here. So, you know, I, I, I'm not particularly, I know in Michigan where you are, cannabis is big news. I'm not very bullish on that industry, you know, cause it's really questionable to me, Ferris, who's gonna make any money, but not that it, I've never seen an industry get more press or more activities. So. We are somewhat involved still with, you know, assisting companies in that business with their financial or business objectives, but it's not, um, it's not my favorite. Um, and I think it's very, there's a lot of issues. So that's, that's basically how I ended up where I am uh, today. Wow, Jeff. I mean, clearly we could spend days with you to unfold. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> um, a lot of this, if you drill down on it, there's a lot of what I like to say fair is the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know? Well, it sounds like you have amazing stories. And, uh, you know, I would love to one day maybe. Uh, I've, got, I've got great stories. I Some of them I wish I had was I was a better writer who could write a screenplay. But we had a factory in China that actually got stolen by a manager's family, you know, we had a guard on the gate, the guard ran away, the family takes over the building, the police say, they sit across streets, say we're not going to get involved. And it's a civil matter. Well, there's really no civil legal system in China. So you're totally screwed. So this was after the Beijing Olympics. And a lawyer said, go hire these guys from that worked on security for the Olympics. So at three in the morning, we go to the Olympic Stadium, the one that was that basket that we all saw on TV. 
and we hired these Kung Fu guys. They come at four in the morning, all wearing black and recaptured the factory. So it's a, it's, I wish I, I have pictures, but I wish I had written it down in more detail, but there's a lot of stuff along the way, but we got the factory back and we had 200 employees. I mean, this wasn't a little hole in the wall, but, uh, and there's really no legal system, commercial legal system in China. So if somebody said that the incredible. government said to me, you can never go back to China, it would not upset me. <laughs> well, that's incredible. I mean, wow, what a story. Uh, so speaking of stories, I mean, it sounds like you have thousands of them. I'd love to hear some maybe from you, Jeff, what maybe one highlight for you through your journey. It sounds like you have lots of them. Maybe just one example of a highlight for you. Well, I think the thing that I, you know, I, I, you know, that's a difficult question to answer because I liked, you know, the, the one thing about, you know, Ferris people, um, they get a new job, they get a new vocation, you know, and they're excited about it. And then three weeks later, it's just another job, you know, and I think entrepreneurship's the same thing. The phrase I use, if you don't want to take risk, don't get out of bed in the morning. Now, the problem with that was I was in uh, LA a few times when there were earthquakes, so it wouldn't be good to stay in bed then you know, because you'd still have the earthquake problem. But entrepreneurship is a challenge. And a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs fail um, because they don't get, it's the old Harry Truman phrase. He had a sign on his desk that says the buck stops here. And the entrepreneur has to do what nobody else that works for him or her wants to do. He gets stuck with all the crap. And you have to be, you know, attuned for that. So I think the best successes for me, looking back at it, were the companies that I, you know, really got funding or got, got public, you know, because it was a lot of work. It's very technical, you know, lots of legal, very expensive. That was the most satisfaction, not necessarily the most financially lucrative. Love that. So thank you so much for sharing that. So a few of the companies you took public was rewarding. What would have been one of your downs that you felt like, you know, you're really one of your, maybe kind of like, you know, I would say it's like high is high and as low is low. I know well, sometimes it be the well, same moment. Yeah. No. Um, one of the reasons I think that I'm um, sort of down uh, on the cannabis industry is that early on, I wrote a book on it called Marijuana, the World's Most Misunderstood Plant. And that book's on Kindle and print and print and Kindle editions, Amazon. It's on Amazon print and Kindle. And so I did it because nobody understood the terminology back in 2015. I had been in a business. I then got on the, my book became my business card, Ferris, as it relates to the cannabis, hemp, and CBD industries. I then ended up speaking all over the place from Toronto to New York to LA to San Francisco to San Jose to Miami to London and Tel Aviv, and probably left out a bunch of cities like Colorado cities. But um, the I at some of them I attacked Jeff Sessions, who was the Attorney General, and I believe 
I'll never know the truth on this, that I was targeted by the government. And make a long story somewhat short, I ended up with a battle with the government. Um, it was civil, not criminal. I didn't admit or deny anything. And it was very emotionally tiring and very expensive. And um, that was the downside. You know, again, if you don't want to take the risk, you know, everything you try is as risk. And the more, you know, quite honestly, you know, we, we see, I don't care what side of the aisle people are on Ferris, but, you know, the concept of government, big government, more government, more programs, government in our face um, is somewhat inconsistent with individual human rights. You know, there's a concept in the U.S., as opposed to most countries in the world, that everybody gets their day in court. And not exactly the case. I always thought that was the case until this happened. It cost me just legal fees alone were $600,000. And, you know, I had never been through anything like that. So um, it, it, it was very discouraging. That's the downside. Wow, Jeff, again, we could, you know, uh, first of all, I'm terribly sorry that you had to face such a burden like that. That sounds very heavy. And of course, uh, inspiring in a way because you, you know, you keep going. So there's just so much to unfold with you, Jeff. And, you know, I would love to one day maybe keep this uh, going with me for a few more interviews when we get a little bit more time. My uh, last question to you is, if you are an aspiring entrepreneur today, and if you were to start something again, what would you tell yourself or what would you tell someone that's getting started today? Well, I see, I'll tell you the one thing that really bothers me with entrepreneurship and entrepreneurs, and I, I talk to them all the time as you do, Ferris, is, you know, whenever I did one of the you know, multiple companies over the decades, we were always interested in building a business. And what I see now is, not so much people trying to build a business, but say, hey, I wanna do this thing so I can sell out and have $100 million in two years. Now, that's not really, that could happen. But the real thing is, is that if you start a venture, you've gotta say, this is my life. This is what I'm gonna do. And you know, if somebody knocks on the door and wants to buy it for 100 million bucks, great, more than likely that's not gonna happen. But if you can create a good, nice business, you know, with revenue, with profitability, that has an upside, that's what you need to focus on, not how, gosh, you know, like right now, there's these SPACs, special acquisition companies, I was involved with them 15 years ago. Um, I can do this, I can sell it to a SPAC for $100 million. That's the wrong attitude for an entrepreneur. The right attitude is my business, my idea makes sense. And it works. And this is going to be my life. It's my dream. If I happen to merge with a SPAC, if I take it public, if I sell it out, fabulous. If not, I am comfortable and continuing to run that business, Ferris. Love that, Jeff. I mean, clearly, what a great insight to share with people, to focus on building the business and solving someone's problem or creating an opportunity. What a great insight. Jeff, Clearly, we could keep you for days and we won't be even be done. We'll just be getting started. I want to say thank you so much for making the time and sharing your wisdom with our listeners and appreciate all your thoughts. Thank you so much, Jeff. 
And Ferris, I'm delighted to come back. I used to do seminars on, you know, raising money, doing business plans, entrepreneurship. And yeah, I, I, right before we got on this call, a lawyer called me about his client and I just almost lost it because again, you know, they're, they're looking at the wrong direction. It's an early stage deal. It's based out of Vancouver, Canada. And they're really, it doesn't make sense. And the other thing that I have to say is just to wrap up Ferris, because I know we're out of time is deals that don't make sense. Don't get done. Yeah. Love that. Great way to end. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't get done. Love it. Thank you so much again. I appreciate you and being with us. Thanks a lot. <laughs>